From the Thai Cats Audio Network, this is Thai Cats Today with Braden Neville. On today's episode, Bo Levi Mitchell speaks about making his first start at home this season. Coach O talks about tomorrow's matchup with the Lions. Simone Lawrence discusses maintaining Vernon Adams and this powerful BC offense. And Brian Simmons joins the show to break down tomorrow's game. It's Thursday, October 12, 2023. I'm Braden Neville and you're listening to Ticats Today. The Ticats completed their walkthrough today as they prepare for the final battle at Tim Hortons Field, and we've got ourselves a dandy of a matchup between the Ticats and Lions in their final meeting of the season. The Ticats were able to capture a demanding victory last time these two teams met, and that was the game that sort of opened the floodgates for touchdowns in Hamilton and really gave the Ticats the boost they've been looking for all season long. Both teams released their depth chart for the game, and the biggest story is Bo Levi Mitchell will get the start at home for the first time this season in the final home game of the year. And it's been something we've been waiting on since he signed in the offseason, but hey, better late than never. We saw him last week do great in the quarter of work he had against the Rough Riders. Still uncertain how much of the game he will play, but it's still exciting news in Hamilton, and we will hear from him later on in the show. Other notable news on the depth chart, Omar Bayless, who had two touchdowns last week and was on the CFL's honor roll, will be out for this game with an injury. Terry Godwin will be a game-time decision. David Beard will also be a game-time decision. So that means Osekusi will step in at wide receiver again. This will be his second straight game. So a little banged up at receiver, and we'll wait and see on what happens with David Beard. Aside from that, this depth chart looks virtually the same as it did last week. Coach O spoke today about how much of the game we can expect to see Bo Levi Mitchell and more. There's no mislead, no trying to keep you off off balance there. It's it's really how we feel, how Bo feels. Uh, he may go a long time tomorrow. Uh, he, he may look similar to Sask. And so it's it's really a, a, a feel-out type of deal. So the, the quick answer is I don't have an answer for what it's going to look like in Montreal. Well, for this year it does because it just meant it was the next game. When you have an opportunity to be that, you go for it. But there's no way I would have known uh, a statistic like that if you wouldn't have brought it up. So now the most important you know game is this week, and it's to get above 500. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you always set a goal to, to clinch the playoffs. You need an X by your name, and then the goal – you know, is to get a Y by your name, and that was established earlier in our division. So you control what you can control, and all we can control now is, is the game tomorrow. You know, I touched on this a little bit, Dan, earlier in the week. I just think we've made more timely plays consistently, and I think consistently um, is a big part of that. Uh, we've taken care of the football a lot better, and we've taken the football away a lot better. Uh, our return game and, and punting game has improved, and then we've put the ball in the end zone also. So when you combine all those things, you start, um, you start to see a little bit more consistency. And it, fortunately for us, it's shown up in the most important column, and that's the win column. So I would say it's been three phases, stepping up, elevating their plays, making more timely plays consistently. That was Coach O. I mentioned that Bo Levi Mitchell will be the starting quarterback for the second straight game, and he spoke today about making his first regular season start at Tim Hortons Field and going up against BC. Finally. Yeah, that's how I feel, man. It's like just been waiting for this moment for a long time and uh, excited to, to get it going. Obviously, you know, there's a bigger team focus than that. Just go out there and play, play as good as I can on every single play and execute and win. Um, but very excited to come out in front of the crowd uh, for the first time. 
there hasn't been there, there's been a lot of talk about how good this O line has played, but how good have they been over the last couple of games? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's steady improvement throughout the entire year, um, and that's not to say they were, they were ever bad at any point. I just think that to me, what I love about these guys is they never falter. You know, in the face of adversity, like if there's a two sack game or something, you know, um, if somebody feels like they didn't play great, if you know they move right tackle to left tackle and they move somebody else to right tackle, or, you know, whatever the case may be, these guys all stay late, watch film together. They're a cohesive group that hangs out together. You know, like right now we're gonna go all your wings together, and they do the same thing. They do treatment together, the tubs. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun. It's like as a quarterback, is what you want your O line to act and be like, and it's uh it's fun to see. What has this process been like for you, easing back into the lineup here as, as the playoffs approach? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty blessed to have uh, you know guys above me and, and you know you know Scott Mitchell, Ed Spence. I mean, oh Scott Milanovic, all these guys that you know come together to create a plan uh, to make it work rather than just saying you know hey we're just gonna throw you back in there and if something happens, something happens. But um, it's awesome to have a plan. You know, if the plan stays the same, you know it's not up to me. It's just you go out, execute, play. Um, and just, you know, when O says, hey, you're out, you're out. Um, he says, hey, you're staying the whole game, staying the whole game. So, you know, like I said last week, I know it sounds cliche. I'll, I'll prepare to play, you know, five quarters essentially just in case overtime happens. But um, regardless, just be ready to go. And then if, you know, Matt comes in, you know, whoever comes in, just uh, be ready to, you know, cheer that guy on and help, help those guys execute on the sideline as well. Uh, very well coached. Uh, obviously, you know, Ryan Phillips, um, you know, went to Eastern Washington, so. One of the best schools out there, you know, outside of the SEC. Um, I would say it's, you know, he actually, I, I got to play against him a lot. He came as a guest coach at Calgary when I was there. It was awesome to kind of get to converse and talk with him about things. Uh, now, knowing that he's a DC, I wish I wouldn't have told him as much as I did in that training camp. <laughs> but I don't think he, I don't think he needed my help. Um, he's a smart guy that likes to let his players, you know, be free. Um, he trusts his guys to run man coverage where a lot of teams aren't as, you know, prone to do that anymore. Um, and they're all, you know, very, very good man cover defenders. So when they're in man, you've got you to see, the, see the, the route, you know, execute, see the guys you want to attack. Um, and then you still have to, even with all that said, you got to hold up against a very good D line, like a linebacking core that is active and moves around a lot. Uh, they move those guys at different positions a lot. Um, you know, Betts is obviously having an amazing year, and he's he's been a great player for a while now. But they've got a lot of guys in those D line that can can rush the passer. Um, so very sound sound group on on the back end. Um, you know, we executed against him last time. I got to watch Taylor and, and the guys. You know, go out there and you know let JB kind of go free. And um, you know, I think our thing is it to, anymore at this point. It's not about as much what these guys are doing against us, but we've got to go out and execute our offense. And, and whether it's a run, whether it's a play, uh, a pass, play action, just go out, execute, um, and move on to the next play, good or bad. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, not, I'm not, not the coordinator. Um, you know, I would say without, you know, giving anything away, you know, a running back has to run the ball in between the tackles, outside the tackles. Um, and we're blessed to have a guy that can do both those things. So it just, you know, our guys can move guys up front. Um, you know, when you have a back as good as nine, and I think, you know, consistent, consistency-wise, he's probably been the best player on our team the entire year. Um, you know, offensively, he's, he's a guy that shows up to work every day, doesn't miss practice, doesn't miss games. And, uh, man, he runs with the shoulder pads forward, and when he does, it's scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in any good D end, um, you know, it's kind of going crazy or just, you know, it's awesome at rushing the passer. I think you're always going to do different things to try to, you know, chip him, you know, get another guy in front of his face. Um, but again, you know, Ryan Phillips is the guy that he'll, he'll, he's going to say, all right, I'll move bets over here. I'll move bets over here so you can't chip him. Um, 
you know, and, and that's it's just it's always a chess game, you know, like that. You know, they're going to come out with their plan. We're going to come out with ours, and um, you know, whether or not bets, you know, makes an impact or not, you know, has sacks or doesn't, um, you know, as long as we win the game, I don't care what happens. You know, our running backs do a good job of understanding who they have in protection, and when they don't, helping the tackles out. Um, you know, chipping the guy back onto their plate, we kind of call it. Just, you know, if a piece of food is falling off the plate, it's just nudging it back on there. You know, you're not going there to smack him or kill him, but, um, you know, just helping the guy out and then getting out to your uh, check down. That was Bo Levi Mitchell. Simone Lawrence will look to close out his season with a bang, and it's been a very good year for Sim. The linebacker has 77 tackles on the campaign. That's his best total since 2019. Five sacks, which is his best since 2017. Three forced fumbles, which is the best he's had in his career. And if you consider the season he had last year where he only appeared in nine games, he struggled with injuries. This season has been an incredible bounce back year for the 34-year-old linebacker. Simone spoke today about playing this strong BC offense and playing in the final season home game at Tim Hortons Field. It's a huge game. Anytime we get an opportunity to play in front of the best fans in the league, you got to put on a show. And we're just excited to play a very good BC team at home to show our fans how, how we've been working. Yeah, going up against Vernon Adams and, and that receiving court, that offense in general that's been so successful this season, what do you need to do to, to contain Vernon and, and to limit their success? You know, we've been pretty successful against Vernon Adams and the BC. You know, they, they have a great team over there. And the thing we have to do really is just our jobs. You know, we know where they're going to be. We just got to make our plays. Do you look at that game at all, that last game you guys played against them, being that you played so well, but do you look at that at all in, in terms of how you prepare for this game? Yeah, you you watch the game just to see where they, they're going to attack, to see where, like, you know, self-scout yourself and see what you need to work better on. But at the end of the day, I, I'm sure they're way better and we're way better than we were when we played them. Um, what I remember about that game is, you know, we just made a decision. You know, when it, it's one of those things. Like, Coach O always says it all the time. Like, once we make up our mind and say nobody's doing anything, you know, Nobody can do anything, but it starts with the belief, you know. And, you know, like we got we got like tools here that are time tested. You know, I've been here for 10 years and, you know, it, you follow them and you pay attention to them, then you're successful. That's just the way it is. So but to answer your question, you look at that game, you know, everybody's going to be better. You look at the good things, you look at the bad things, and you just want more good things. Yeah, um, I, like I said earlier in the season, anytime you flip a new team, you know, you're not going to come out and be come out right away. You know, I think uh, the coaches and did an amazing job, you know, having all new players pretty much and becoming making everybody one and giving us off an opportunity to compete for the Great Cup at the end of the season. So much credit to the coaches for doing that. All right, joining me now is Brian Simmons. Brian, another big game tomorrow for the Ticats at home for their final game of the season against the BC Lions. Bo Levi Mitchell has been announced as the starting quarterback. How excited are you to see Bo at home at Tim Hortons Field playing in his first regular season game in front of the home fans? I'm very excited to see it. Uh, I thought he looked very good uh, last week, even though it was a short you know, sample. But uh looked very good Uh I personally think he could have stayed in the game, but I also think they had a wonderful game plan because you never know what can happen going forward, and it's always good to have the next man ready. Yeah, and, and I think that was their plan all along, just to play him for that one quarter. Even Bo said at one point he, he kind of looked at them and they and they mentioned, no, this is the plan, let's stick to it. And he said he's more than happy to follow that. How important is it for him to have a another good game here and, and continue to build that confidence as we head into this playoff push or this into the playoffs? 
Uh, it's very important uh, because uh, right now I, I just can feel the uh, momentum building up for Hamilton. Um, you know, they uh, if they're not playing Toronto, they're usually, you know, doing well and they've been streaking lately. And, uh, you know, why not have a future Hall of Fame quarterback who's proven that he can be successful in this league, lead your team into the playoffs. So, yeah, it's very important to get a guy of that caliber back on the team. Now, if you're Scott Milanovic, are you playing him the whole game, or are you still kind of easing him into it here, maybe one, maybe two quarters this time instead of one or or something along those lines? Uh, me personally, I, I will probably play him the entire game unless it, you know, a situation mm-hmm. comes where we it gets out of hand for either side, you know, either team. Then I would take him out. But, yeah, I would, I would definitely – my game plan would be he's a starter and I would play him. But, hey, you know, that's up to Scott's choice. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why Scott gets paid the big bucks. BC is the team that's allowed a lot of points this season, more so recently in their last few games. They're still pulling out wins, but that defense does tend to allow a lot of points. What would your plan of attack be here for this offense? Or what would you like to see this offense do? Well – I obviously I say it every week, Brady. Uh James Butler, that's who gets things going. Uh, I mean this yep. guy has been incredible and I don't think he's in consideration for MOP, but I mean he should be a, a nominee cuz the numbers this guy's putting up whether it's running or catching. So establish yep. him and for the last game he played against them, I'm pretty sure BC is going to come out, you know, trying to eliminate, you know, the effectiveness he has on the game. With that said, mm-hmm. That's going to open so many doors and windows for both. And, I mean, I, I imagine this to be a, a game that he should be very successful with if they can establish that run game early. Do you like what they were doing last game? I mean, he had 77 receiving yards. Um, do you like what they were kind of doing last game, utilizing him in the past game as well as much as they did? Oh, yeah. It, it, I love it because it it just opens up so many things. Like, you saw the big plays that Tim Whitehead and – and stuff like that, it just, it really, because they're keying on him. They're, they're watching him. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, Butler's over here. Where is he? Where is he there? You know, so it just makes the guy second guess, and they can't really just beat on you on the defensive side of the ball. The O-line is a big part to do with why James Butler's been so successful, why Schultz and, and Bo had so much success last game. And, and you know the O-line very well, Brian, but – why do you think this O-line has been so tough to break through this season? And and how key has that been for this Ticats offense to open up that pass game and, and create some space on that running game? Well, Brandon, you know how I feel about the offensive line. I mean, <laughs> it's just I think the offense and defensive linemen, that's, that's who generally sets the tone of games. You know, that's why Toronto's had so much success. Their offensive line, not only are they getting the ball out quick, when he does hold the ball, they don't, you know, give up sacks. So it just – I don't know. It just gives everyone on your conf- your offense, like the quarterbacks and receivers and running backs, it gives them so much confidence when they know the big boys up front are going to take care of what they need to do. All I got to do is make plays. So if they continue playing that well and also with the play calling, you know, just helping them mix it up, that's another thing that they've been great at doing. You know, I think the play calling has been fabulous, you know, as, as far yeah. as run-pass ratio. Yeah, I agree. It's a very balanced attack, and it's been that way over the last course of, well, really since Scott's taken over, and that's that's no disrespect to who was there before. But mm-hmm. this O-line has several guys who are so consistent, but I think the most consistent is Brandon Revenberg. We heard James Butler talk about Mr. Consistency last week talking about Rev, but but what does he do right? And you looking at it as an O-lineman, you might see it in, in a way that other people wouldn't, but what is he doing right on that O-line for them? Well, Berg, I'll tell you one thing about him. His rookie year, 
was my, I believe it was my last season with the Tycats. I, I, I think 2016 was his rookie year, I believe. Yep. And uh, I seen him practice two times, and I went up to him, and I said, sir, you, you're going to make a lot of money in this league. <laughs> I told him that because he, he just has – he's not the biggest guy, but he just yeah. has textbook um, technique combined with superhuman strength. Like, this guy is strong as an ox, man. So he's when a you, beast, yeah. When you combine those two, it's just – that's a, a great offensive lineman. And uh, I definitely think he is the most consistent one um, – He's the guy that everyone in that offensive line should try to model their game after because he's just he's so technical sound and I'm glad that you know people are realizing and recognizing that. He also has this ability to stay healthy. I don't know mm-hmm. how many games he's missed, if he's even missed one, but it seems like he's able to stay healthy, be in this lineup all the time. He's kind of a catalyst for that O line. I want to move to the receiving core. Tim White, he's sitting at second in receiving yards right now this season. He's first in a hundred yard games. Potentially, he has the chance to finish first in receiving yards. How would you utilize him against the Lions? And is he target number one once again, as always? Yeah, he's target number one once again, as always. But when you have Bo back there, he's going to do what a smart veteran quarterback does. And then he's going to take what the defense gives him. You know, Tim is getting open, making plays. He will get the ball. If Tim is being a decoy, opening up the plays for other receivers, that's who will get the ball. So I can't sit here and say I know that's something that's going to happen and he'll continue with the 100-yard gains throughout the remainder of the season. But I just know with uh, Bo back there, he's going to take what the defense gives him, you know, especially depending on what the situation of the game is. Because to me, that's what makes a good quarterback so good. They realize, okay, this is going to be a low-scoring game, so I might not need to take as many chances. Or this is a high-scoring game, so let me fire that thing, you know. So – I, I think, you know, he'll have his opportunity to make plays, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I was talking to Coach Sal. I've talked to Coach Sal several times about this. He mentions to me about Tyreek McAllister, and we all know what he can do on that kick return and on that punt return, but is he a guy you'd like to see maybe given the ball a little bit more on this offense and, and utilized in, in different ways, if you know what I mean, to especially to use, utilize that speed and that explosiveness that he has? Oh, yeah. Like, if I were the, the offensive coordinator, he definitely would touch the ball on offense at least five times a game. Yeah. You know, he's the kind of guy, give him his touches, and who knows, getting those extra touches might even make him warmer, extra elusive, you know, for the special teams touches that he get because it's like you're constantly involved, you know. So I definitely would get the ball in his hands more if it were up to me. I'm going to switch to the defense now. Going up against a quarterback like Vernon Adams is no small task. He's having another MOP, or he's having an MOP caliber season. But how do you contain this guy, and how do you disrupt him on that defense? Well, I thought they did a, a great time the last time they played him. They forced some turnovers. You know, uh, yep. Vernon is the type of guy he's gonna he's gonna take chances, and I feel like I know I don't believe he didn't have an interception against Winnipeg last game, but. He's the type of quarterback, he's out there slinging it. So yeah. it's like, gotta whenever he gives you a chance, you got to uh, make the most of it. Uh, defensive line, they got to contain him. You know, your D-tackles, they have they need to get pressure uh, trying to collapse the pocket while your defensive ends got to contain him. So it's going to take a joint effort. You know, it's not like you can put somebody on him and spy him and say, okay, go to work. No, it's, it's going to take, you know, a joint effort from the entire defense to help contain him. One guy he's going going to have on that receiving core that the Ticats didn't see in the first time these two teams played is Rhymes. He's back in the lineup now as he was. I believe he was hurt. I forget what his injury was when they last played, but they also have Hatcher. Uh, they have Whitehead. They have a pretty stacked receiving core. How do you limit 
what those guys can do. I know it's next to impossible, but how do you limit those guys and them all having big yardage games? Well, you know, lately against, let's see, uh, Calgary and Regina, we, we can both say those are very two teams that love to throw the ball. Yep. Um, I think it's a great recipe and preparation for the defense going into this game because this is a team that likes to throw the ball as well. So I uh, I think they'll be ready. You know, I think they'll continue the momentum that they've been showing uh, in the secondary. And, you know, when they make catches, hey, let's get them on the ground. Let's not have a lot of uh, um, run-after-catch yards. You know, let's limit those. And just they just got to be on their P's and Q's because, in my opinion, defensive back from a physical standpoint, athleticism, that is the hardest position to play in this league. I mean, yes. you got guys running at you with a waggle and waggle. stuff. And you have to keep, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's almost impossible to do so. But I think they've been playing well. One guy I want to highlight on that uh, on, on the DB core for the Ticats, Cats and Tonist. He's a guy on this secondary who's having his best season of his career. I feel he can do damage against any team, especially a team that throws as much as BC does. He's second, I believe, in the league in picks right now. Do you think he gets another one tomorrow on Vernon Adams? You know, he could, but at the same time, Vernon might not even take a chance to go near him. <laughs> yep. You know, when a guy when a guy is and I'm not saying he's on this caliber, but it's kinda like uh Deion Sanders prime time. You know, when he was in his prime, no one would throw the ball to him. So he yep. would have seasons where he'd make the Pro Bowl, but he only have like one or two interceptions because no one would come his way. So it's I mean, I think, you know, Vernon will definitely take shots. I don't see him, you know, being intimidated or scared, but the guy's been playing great, though. Uh, I, I enjoy watching him play, and uh, he's having a great season. Brian, before we go, if you could, as we normally do, if mm -hmm. I could get a few keys to victory for the Ticats heading into BC or against BC. Um, defensively, they just got to contain Vernon, and when guys on the on the Lions when they catch the ball, you know, eliminate the yardage they get. You know, tackle, 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 force turnovers. You know, uh short fields get off the field you know and offensively I think just have nice long consistent drives because as an offensive player when I played Braden I always I was very okay with being exhausted and my defense being well rested because yes. I as an offensive player I want to be tired and I want those guys to be rested so they can go out there and make plays so they can establish James Butler uh protect bowl I mean I I expect the victory with this game and just continue that momentum because if I was playing for the Ticats right now, in my mind, the playoffs have already started. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to let's go, let's keep, let's get it going, let's keep it keep it rolling. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And the special teams, you know, just we gotta can't no missed field goals, you know, no returns and stuff like that. That's a part of the game people tend to forget about. It'd be nice if we could see uh, T Mac finally break one. <laughs> I, my prediction was wrong last week. I said I said he's getting one, so let's make the prediction. Let's double down on this week on Tyreek running one back. But, uh, Brian, it's going to be an exciting game. I'll see you tomorrow at Tim Hortons Field, a nice Friday game for us, and, yeah. and I'll make sure to come see you, and uh, we'll talk before the game. But once again, as always, great having you on the show, Brian Simmons. No problem, Brandon. Take care, man. See you then. Big thanks to Brian Simmons, Simone Lawrence, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Coach O for being on the show today. Before we go, Ticats fans, Canadian music will take center stage next month on what will be the liveliest street in the country for three amazing days. And it's all free for music and football fans alike. More than 40 artists from the true north will deliver free-to-attend concerts at Fan Central on James Street from November 16th to the 19th as part of the 
the Built in the Hammer Grey Cup Music Festival. Everything gets underway on James Street on Thursday, November 16th at 11 a.m. with the Sirius XM Grey Cup Festival kickoff party headlined by Hamilton's very own Juno Award rock band, The Dirty Nil. The kickoff party also features Montreal New Age punk band Nobro and performances from tons of other great artists and bands. The free-to-attend entertainment continues throughout the weekend. It doesn't stop there. It continues all weekend with confirmed acts, including a bunch of great performers and bands. Friday and Saturday's performances begin at 11 a.m. and will run till 8 p.m. nightly. Fan Central on James Street will also feature additional activities. So the whole family can enjoy, including a collection of food trucks, the Hamilton Christmas Market, photo opportunities, art installations, and other live attractions. The area will also be home to the Canadian Armed Forces Fan Zone, the Hamilton Flag Football Classic, and the TELUS Kick for Good Courtyard. This is the latest in a series of major announcements from the Cats and the Grey Cup Festival. Carrie Underwood, if you can remember, was previously announced as the headline act at First Ontario Centre on Friday, November 17th. Tickets are still available for that. More news is going to roll out as the city and region gear up to host Canada's biggest and best party, including, of course, the 110th Grey Cup game, the championship of the Canadian Football League at Tim Hortons Field on Sunday, November 19th, where global punk rock superstars and honestly, one of my favorite bands of all time, Green Day, will headline the Twisted Tea Grey Cup Halftime Show. It's going to be a party. Make sure you check that out. And that's all the time for me today. I want to thank you for listening to Tycats today.